Welcome to the Tilted Coaching Podcast and I'm your host, Sheila Walsh. My background is in coaching psychology and organisational consultancy. If it has something to do with people, I'm usually involved and interested, whether it is about personal development, professional development, leadership, relationships, managing or anything else that involves the care of people in some way. A friend of mine encouraged me to do this podcast because he believed that I should bring my insights and my understandings into a really simple bite-sized collection and this is what you have today. I hope you enjoy the Tilted Coaching podcast. Please do rate us if you find it interesting and you can always pop over to our Patreon account to sponsor it. Welcome to the Tilted Coaching Podcast. Today we have Sarah Sproul with us. And hello, Sarah, how are you? Hi, Sheila, I'm great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> so, Sarah, when I invited you um, to speak, I know that you have a Facebook page. I think it's called thetalk.ie, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. that's right. Excellent. So people can find you there. So Sarah, today, what is it you'd like to talk about? I would like to talk about the feelings or the emotions that come up for parents when they try to talk about sex with their children. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. So to, to st- let's, let's start. What kind of age is it coming up where, where parents are kind of facing this difficulty? Do you have a sense of when that occurs? I think at the moment, parents, they definitely have a sense that it's important around the time when their children are starting to get toward the end of primary school. So I do relationship and sexuality education for um, 11 and 12 year olds, so fifth and sixth class. And parents definitely know that these conversations are important. But increasingly, I'm getting parents coming to me for help who have much younger children I'm working with some people at the moment that have a one a three and a five-year-old so you know it's all different ages and I think what's happening now in our in our country in our environment is that parents are starting to realize actually this is way more important than I thought it was and I need to get on board and upskill and get ready to to jump in and talk about what has to be talked about Brilliant. I think it's it's a necessity. I'm not surprised that um, parents of such young kids are coming to you because I have a four year old nephew, and already we're we're trying to bring naturally in the the topic of like consent uh, and understanding how he's discovering his body. So I can completely see why it's important because one conversation does lead to another because they have the why questions, don't they? It's like they're on it. So when you're dealing with parents what is it that's coming up at the moment that is challenging for parents when they're going to talk to their children around sex what is it that you're seeing one of the most common questions is or the things that bring people to talk to me is i know these conversations are important i want to um make sure my child has the skills and abilities to stand up for themselves and look out for themselves and create healthy relationships for themselves in the future. But I don't know what to say. And I'm not sure what is the age appropriate topics to talk about? What are the right, is the right language to use? Mm. How do I make sure that I don't pass on the shame that I was given as a child? Those would be the most common things. And um, so if parents are feeling those feelings, don't worry, you're not alone. The vast majority of parents in Ireland and in other countries as well are feeling that too. 
Okay, okay. So we've got the, the age appropriateness to take into account, also the language to take into account. And then you're also saying that our own history, like so our own, how we were raised, what our experience is, and all of them together, like even just when you're saying that, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't know what to say, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so it's really hard. Yeah. So how, how have you found, what have you found that helps parents make sense of the challenges? Like, what is it that they can think about that will actually give them, we'll say, the right pathway forward for themselves? The first thing I say is that, you know, it's not your fault that you can't do this stuff. It's not your fault that you can't have these conversations about bodies and babies and sperms and eggs and puberty and sex and consent. That Those things can be quite difficult and um, we haven't necessarily been shown how to do it. The vast majority of us still won't have had a good role model for this part of our parenting mm. um, and so not only that uh, we live in a culture that doesn't really support conversations with young children about all those parts of life and and when I say it doesn't support it our media will say we have to do it you know when things mm. go wrong they'll point to the parents and say oh, why didn't you sort of talk to your kids about all the things but that's not the same thing as being shown how to do it or being given advice and support on how to do this. So that idea of being able to step away from the guilt of, oh, I'm meant to be able to do this, but I can't do it. And therefore it's my fault. Um, really permission to just accept that you don't have the resources. You didn't have um, some to do this when you were very small so it's completely and utterly logical that it's difficult for you now and that's not your fault and you're not broken and you're not a bad parent because you can't do it you're just um working with the information you have and it's not enough information okay okay that that even hearing that and i'm not a parent but hearing that and just thinking about you know if we were going off what we were raised with because because we've all been educated in different ways we kind of know we don't want to do that like most of us kind of say that's not how I want to deal with little people and their understanding of sex and their bodies and all of that. But you're right. It's really hard to say, well, if that's not how I want to do it, what does it look like how I do want to do it in a way that's appropriate? Because we all know that there's, there is inappropriate ways as well, where, where kids are accessing things that they, they don't need to access or, or parents are inevitably giving information that isn't helpful. Um, so if we know that we don't need to feel guilty about that, then our focus can kind of turn towards more practical and, and more solution focused ways for want of a better word in terms of having yeah. these conversations. So when you're working with someone, what is it that, like, how is it that you support them to figure out that pathway forward for themselves? Sure. Yeah. First of all, we look at, well, well, parents will come to me and say, look, can I just have a list of what the age appropriate topics are for whatever age child have and I would say yeah look I could absolutely give you that but I don't think it will be particularly useful and the reason why it's not useful is we have to sort of um, look at why this is awkward and scary for us in the first place there are beliefs that we'll have inside of our head that mean that when we come to have a conversation with our child even if we know it's an age appropriate topic um, our brain will be going danger danger don't talk about this stuff so we first of all look at some of the beliefs that most of us carry around in our head to do with sexuality and they will be things like um, sex is dangerous 
in a sense. So we might have been told maybe as teenagers, all the stuff that we were told really that we have to be careful of STIs, just be careful if you get pregnant, your life is going to, you know, mm. implode. Um, all those things that make us realize, ooh, sex is dangerous, sex is, is scary. Um, we might have another belief in our head that um, sex is somehow wrong. Mm. Again, because we might have been um, um, told when we were younger that um, if you have sex, something bad will happen, or you can only have a particular type of sex. Maybe we were told that um, you only have sex with people who um, you love or maybe mm. who you're married to. So if we um, are thinking about having any other sorts of sex or we're talking to children about sex and we're being real realistic about it, particularly if we're talking to our you know, teenagers about it, 14, 15, when, you know, our life experience might have showed us that, well, actually a lot of humans have sex outside of marriage mm. and outside of a love relationship. Sometimes people just have sex because it feels nice or they're attracted to another person. All those really sort of more complex conversations that come up with teenagers who are living everyday life can be really challenging if we haven't yet worked on these belief structures that we have and um, sort of challenged them in a way. And so then, so we've said sex is dangerous, sex is wrong, and maybe sex is dirty is another one that some people mm. have. Um, and again, that sort of idea that um, we were told maybe not to touch our genitals, that was a dirty, you don't do that. Um, we might, again, the STI thing, that mm. sort of dirty or dangerous and and you know it's it's really interesting because that conversation about sexually transmitted infections that is a reasonable conversation to have with young people who are moving towards becoming sexually active the difficulty is that oftentimes a lot of us might have had that conversation in the absence of a conversation to do with the fact that actually there's really lovely things about sexuality and being physically intimate and close to someone else and when we don't have that other part of the conversation our brain is just completely fixated on the dirty disease part of it so those three beliefs go a long way to help us understand why we would come to these conversations with children about sexuality, even basic ones to do with consent. Mm. And we might feel a bit sort of worried and scared because we have this sort of basic underpinning belief that sex is a negative thing. Mm. That's, that's actually fascinating. I hadn't considered how, which is ironic because of the work I do. I hadn't considered how, if every time you think of sex, how if you if you were taught that it was a threat or it was dangerous that it was dirty or I hadn't thought about even if you've outlived that experience when you go to have that conversation that's what's going to be like that's what's going to be triggered in us as the adults let's say talking to children and specifically parents talking to children um and how yeah. often we separated in some weird way like well you know what I know about sex now still isn't what I'm going to teach my kids about so sometimes you know this idea um of having sex with someone you love while that may be true for lots of people it's also untrue for lots of people and so mm. to to know it's untrue for you but to teach it to your children kind of creates a, a disconnect i think in in their process you know which yeah, makes it even definitely. harder to have the conversation <laughs> yes because then we're being disingenuous somehow or untruthful and and then that how does that impact our connection with our child okay i'm having this conversation but 
in the back of my head, I know that's not what it was like for me, but I don't know any other way. And this is the thing I think that parents and other adults who care for children um, deal with, that if we haven't been shown another way, we are going to default back to what we know because we don't want to say nothing. We know it's important to talk, but we don't know what the alternative is. So it's completely understandable that it's hard work. And um, I mean, I've been there in my parenting. So I work in sexuality education. I also am raising three children, a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old. And I've sort of been dealing with this on the coalface since my firstborn child asked me when she was five, like, where do babies come from? And it was in that moment, I was like, oh, this is beginning now. And it was, I, you know, took it on as a challenge. I was like, okay, so what is the, sorry, I have dogs. You might hear that in the background. Um, Yeah. So this is not, this isn't just work for me. This is also um, a lived experience of how do I provide um, connection with my young people information and support and an ability for them to um, accept who they are and um, and I'm getting distracted now that all the people have come downstairs because it's coronavirus of course it is so we're all working from home right um, yeah so I am doing that for my children and myself in our relationship that we have in our family as well as supporting um, other parents around yeah. Ireland to do the same thing Okay. Okay. So what I'm going to ask is, because usually at the end of these, I ask for three suggestions for anyone listening. And I'm also going to ask you to talk us through just where people can get in contact with you because like, I think this is going to resonate because if it's resonating with me and I don't have young children, I just have nieces and nephews that I'm trying to make sure I don't pass on shame or guilt or any of those things. Um, I can only imagine what a parent listening is thinking. Um, so your three words of wisdom, your three areas of advice, and then how to get in contact with you, Sarah, that'd be fab. Sure. Great. First thing, it is never too early to start conversations to do with the human body and the fact that all humans have a sexuality. So it's never too early. So that can mean um, sim- simply having really basic attempts at learning or talking about the body parts and what they do and how our body feels nice. That's one of the most basic conversations we can have with small children, even like under four, we can talk about how our body feels nice and what the name of our parts are, right? So that's the first thing. Second thing is if you have way older children than under four, there will be lots of other conversations you could have had um, as they were growing up. And maybe if you're listening to this and you've, no one's ever told you that before, this will be the first time that you've realized, oh, actually I'm a little bit behind in this game. And so you will need to maybe start doing this if you feel comfortable. And so one of the ways I suggest to do that is to take responsibility for it as a parent and go up to your young person, maybe you've got a 12-year-old or something, and um, use this little script. I learned something new today um, that I didn't know. And what I learned was that um, children, really young children, can learn all about their body and how humans um, can care for each other and love each other and touch each other's body. And I didn't know that I could have talked to you about that when you were really young, and now I do. And I'm really sorry about that. So uh, you and I are going to have to work somehow and work it out of how we can start having these conversations and how I can give you this information. Right. So that's the end of the script. So what that basically does is give um, the child sort of a heads up that Mm. 
things are going to change. It also puts the responsibility on the adult and it models taking responsibility for something that we've realized now we didn't do so great. And it also sets up a collaborative approach with our young person so we're not just sort of saying we have to do this thing and i'm going to make you do it but we're saying look this is something needs to be done for your own health um, and i would like you to help me work out how's the best way to do it for you so that was two right and then the third one would be um be kind to yourself because you've had a certain number of years of programming about how you think about sexuality and um, and that's not going to change overnight. Um, and it's possible as a parent to know that we need to do something that's good for our child and at the same time accept that we don't have the skills yet to be able to do it. And so sitting with that feeling of, ooh, I want to be able to do it, but I can't do it, is okay and you don't have to do this on your own own support is out there there are sexuality educators like me and other people like me who are out there providing support for parents to do this exact thing those were my those are my three sort of takeaway points they're fab they're fab like I, I think and I think it's really important the guilt piece I'm nodding the whole time you're saying that um, mm. because I think the first of all owning that you haven't done it with the kids yet is so important you know what you don't want to do is out of nowhere hit them with loads of sex ed and they're like what's going on here <laughs> you know what what is this so i think that's really good but also it's normalizing it it's saying actually i didn't know that this was okay to do and now i do so now i like we've now opened the door to this com these conversations um yeah. i think that that's really really important and the fact that they can get advice you know it's mm -hmm. it's not about parents having to go off on their own because god love us we're all doing our best but that doesn't mean we understand what we need yeah so i yeah. love those three pieces That's of exactly advice. Right. so sarah to finish this i'm going to ask you one question how do people get in contact with you if they're looking to work with you or to speak with you around this i hang out very happily on instagram so um, my instagram handle is i am sarah sproul um, you can find me on my website which is sarahsproul.com um, uh, either of those you'll find my email address there and i am open even to people walking up to me in the street and saying hello because that's happened a number of times and i'm pretty distinctive with my glasses so if you do happen to see me in a shop you are very welcome to come up and say hello and uh, that's good too Excellent. I love that. I love that that informal approach. We can just come up and say hello. You are very distinctive because I know we shared we were in a group once together and you were very striking because the glasses and your whole style. So I don't think people are gonna like mix you up, so they don't need to worry about that. They they're definitely gonna spot you when they spot you. Excellent. Okay. That's right. <laughs> well, Sarah, thanks a million for that. And um, and for that like quick rundown on things parents can consider and especially the compassion. Parents don't need to go into the shame or the guilt. Of not knowing what they don't know they can just upskill and I think if there's any message I take away from that it's that upskilling is the way rather than avoiding or or just repeating patterns so I'm going to thank you for that Sarah I really appreciate that take care You're Thanks for listening to The Tilted Podcast and I'm your host, Sheila Walsh. If you'd like to sponsor The Tilted Coaching Podcast, simply pop over to patreon.com slash tiltedcoaching and sponsor the podcast for as little 
as a cup of coffee a month. If I didn't say it correctly, pop over to the link in the bio, visit the Patreon page and become a sponsor. Thanks a million.